The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Monday, March 22nd, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports I Own College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And when I say it's Monday, I mean it's technically Monday, but it's essentially late Sunday nights, 12.50 a.m. Eastern. I've been on CBS Sports Network all day. Norlander's been on CBS Sports HQ all day. Now that we're done and all of Sunday's games have been completed, we are here to talk through the third full day of the 2021 NCAA tournament. It's a wild day that'll be remembered for a number one seed losing to an in-state opponent and for three double-digit seeds advancing to the Sweet 16. We'll get to top-seeded Illinois losing to Loyola Chicago in a bit, but I want to start with the double-digit seeds that won on Sunday. Number 11, Syracuse, upset number three, West Virginia. Jim Beheim, against all odds, is in the Sweet 16. Number 12, Oregon State, upset number four, Oklahoma State. Wayne Tinkle, against all odds, is in the Sweet 16. And number 15, Oral Roberts, upset number seven, Florida. Paul Mills, against all odds, is in the Sweet 16. Deadleg, make sense of this. What in the world is going on in Indiana? Uh, you you want me to make sense of this? No shot. I need, I need, I need you to make sense of I'm this. I'm not making I any. I can't make sense of this. I, I'm not going to make any sense of this. It's been a gloriously chaotic, and we are knocking on the door of historic NCAA tournaments. So uh, with these uh, upsets in addition to others, first of all, eight teams from eight separate leagues are now into the Sweet 16, and we'll get the other eight, obviously, on Monday. Uh, the most is 12. We'll see if that could, uh, if that could happen. Um, also, we have had, so the NCAA, and shout out to David Warlock, who's obviously the media coordinator uh, of all this stuff. He tweeted this about 25 minutes before we started podcasting. He said, we define an upset as a team seated five spots or more lower than their opponent. We've already set the record with 11 such occurrences. We're midway through the second round. We have, so another way of saying that is we're not done the second round yet, there have already been 11 games in which a team separated by at least five seed lines have seen the team lower seeded win. It is history, and it's it's just wild, man. I actually think we're also on pace. I haven't had time to research this, but um, our CBS Sports HQ team is researching it. I think we are probably on pace because of this to have the highest collective uh, number for all the seeds, meaning like we've got a 15 in there, plus a 12 in Oregon State, plus an 8 with Loyola, if you get what I'm saying. Like when we get to the Sweet 16, if you add up all the seeds, it's going to be the highest total we've ever had there. And I can't make any sense of it. I don't know if because, like, if we had had this in normal setting with fans and stuff, uh, would it be the same? No. I mean, every single NCAA tournament exists unto itself. You know, if you play this thing again, you're going to have all sorts of different kinds of results. But is it because it's happening 
in a pandemic in one location in the venues it's happening at, is that allowing for more chaos? I'm, I can't say that it is. And I can't say that that's not the reason. So I, I'm loving this parish. I can't get enough of all of this. Although I will say, um, Oregon state is maybe the most random and congrats to the Beavers, man. It's the most random Sweet 16 team maybe ever. This team was nowhere near the bubble. It has not been relevant in its own conference for most of the past four decades and has come out of nowhere to to get into the second weekend for the first time since 1982. Oregon State has won five straight elimination games and it staved off Oklahoma State. So we don't get Cade Cunningham versus Loyola, which objectively speaking... You know, I think you would agree. I'm happy to cover Wayne Tinkle and Oregon State next week, but we lose the potential number one pick in the NBA draft. Like, it's just not good for the tournament that we didn't get that storyline. So that's a bit. Oh, and by the way, I think, what did you say? Did you, did you say? <laughs> I hop into Slack. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dish you the rock in just a second here, but I didn't, I was on HQ, so I didn't see any of this, but GP in our Slack, he, he drops a, he drops a tweet. And he goes, Beaver Fever is on our ass because everyone, every one of us picked Oklahoma State not only to win, but to cover. And so Beaver Fever dedicated to covering all things Beaver basketball and beyond, I guess, uh, all over our ass. Uh, Beaver Fever, we deserve every bit of scorn here. We did universally at CBSSports.com pick against pick against your team we didn't go as far uh as to get called out by an opposing head coach uh in a zoom call we didn't get that far we get to that we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that we'll but get anyway to that. but anyway congrats to oregon state and, and, and congrats to all i mean wild wild day i don't even know what monday's going to bring this tournament's been beyond fulfilling and has made up for no 2020 congrats to oregon state congrats to beaver fever i mean it does look ridiculous like everybody picked oklahoma state to win everybody picked oklahoma state to cover it's like oregon state like didn't even have a team i want to be clear about something because people often they'll take our picks and they'll throw them right back into my face like on twitter like oh how smart are you now gp let me be very clear with you i am brilliant at telling you what the ncaa ought to do and brilliant at identifying possible problems, and then when they occur, telling you, I told you so. I'm not good at picking games. Like, I've never been good at picking games. Like, I like gambling. I'm terrible at it. I I actually just chalk it up as a monthly expense. It's like, here's my golf club membership. Here's my direct TV bill. This is the gambling bill. Like, I don't even pretend that I'm going to win. So, like, you're not making me feel bad ever by pointing out that I didn't pick a game correctly. I've been not picking games correctly my entire life. It's actually not a skill required to do my job. It is merely something we do because if you're listening, you'll click on it. It's very little work to get you to click on something. That That's the that's the mindset behind that. It It, it, it is nothing more than that. So I'm, I, I just assume I'm always going to be wrong. <laughs> I I think, usually, I usually am. Yeah. Oh man! Uh, all right, so you make sense. You make sense of this, and like, what you know, what upset? Uh, the big upset is the fifteen in the, in the Sweet Sixteen or whatever. But you know, your your big picture takeaways on what you mentioned off the top there are what? Well, I will say that as somebody who ranks twenty six basketball teams every morning, it became pretty clear to me early, you know, a month into the season that the best teams were the best teams, and they really stayed up there much of this season. 
Like Gonzaga was great and it's still great. Baylor, great, still great. Michigan was always really good. Um, you know, Houston was always really good. Iowa was always up there pretty high. Alabama was always up there pretty high. The teams that are I still think we're going to get a Final Four that looks the way it's supposed to look. Uh, I mean, you're stepping in some danger zone because you said it last night on the podcast, and then the first game of the day, which we'll get to a little later, Illinois went and stepped in it big time. Okay, well, here's what I would say right now. The top 10 teams at Ken Palm are all still alive, except for Illinois, which got lined up with a top 10 team from Ken Palm. So, So based on... Like there was no way for us to not lose a top ten Ken Palm team today because Loyola Chicago and Illinois had to play each other. We're going to get to that later, but the other nine are still alive. Like I, I again, as somebody who ranked twenty six basketball teams every morning this season, I thought there was a clear cut like top eight ish, nine ish, and you could maybe lose two of those and and add two of those in any given month. But I thought there was about a clear there was a tier of like Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Houston, Iowa, Alabama, they, they were all in there. And then you could, Ohio State might be in there one day and then not. Villanova might be in there one day or not. B- but after that, like once you got outside of the top 10, it was like the the teams that were 10th t- weren't always clearly better than a team that was 30th. And so I think what we're watching right now is a byproduct of that. I still think the top of the sport is 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 great. And the top of the sport will be there at the end. I think all of this chaos is going to lead to us having a final four where you look up and you and you go, okay, those are the four teams. And at least three of them are going to be teams we always knew had a real shot of getting there. You're basically, maybe all four. you're basically talking Gonzaga, Baylor, Houston, then one of Michigan or Alabama. That's I think that's what you're getting at, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean, right maybe now, Iowa, you know, like, maybe it, Iowa, right? Maybe Iowa. Uh, of the top ten teams you mentioned, uh, six of them play on Monday. We'll see how many are standing. And then, weirdly, as we look at Ken Palm as we record this tonight, eleven through twenty, it's every other: Ohio State out, Nova in, Wisconsin out, Arkansas in, Virginia out, Florida State in, Texas Tech out, Kansas in, Purdue out, Creighton in. That will obviously update there. Um, I'll go. Uh, I'll go. Boom, 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 real quick on the double digit seed stuff. Syracuse winning. Congrats to uh, to SU fans and to the Orange for doing this again. Jim Beheim, uh, I think he killed every sports writer in his post game Zoom yet again. Said, "I don't give a damn what's written. I don't think one sentence that's ever been written on the internet means anything. I don't care about any of you people. <laughs> Never change, Jim Beheim. You have made the Sweet Sixteen yet again as a double digit seed. And the past six years, uh, you have redefined what expectations should be as a power conference program that is basically uh, mediocre for three months. And then once you get to the tournament, we just completely flip on the switch since since 2013 now they made the final four as a four seed there but still you outperformed expectations uh 2013 as a four make the final four then they get to the final four in 2016 as a 10 seed and 2018 they get to the sweet 16 as an 11 and uh and now they get to the sweet 16 again as an 11 seed good on cues west virginia almost stole it back but didn't quite. Uh, Syracuse was really trying to put on a, a clinic on how to not handle a full-court press. If it was a 41-minute game, that might have gone the other way. Nevertheless, Syracuse moves on. Oral Roberts is a, just an incredible story. Uh, but how about, the, how about, GP, do you agree with me on this? So this when this all happened, and I don't know if it, it was because... You know, we had three standalone games, two and a half standalone games, and then we finally got two at a time. And then, actually, you know, the the Oral Roberts Florida stuff was when we were in that three game window, right? 
But because Florida, you know, it doesn't have a college star. Uh, it wasn't this at one point in the season like, oh, that was a that was like a top 15 team, you know, back from, you know, mid-December through the new year or whatever. It was just kind of a whatever team. It's still an amazing story, but, and I don't know if it's because there's not fans. I don't, I don't know what it is. The Oral Roberts is awesome. Uh, Kevin O'Banner and Max A. Smith are the highest scoring duo in college basketball, but I'm just not feeling this just blow you off your seat, oh my God, the way I did with Dunk City. And maybe it's because Dunk City was the first 15 to get to a Sweet 16, but that's the only one we've ever had. It Don't get me wrong, it's still an incredible story. I just didn't, I didn't feel like beating Florida was this catapult into the Sweet 16 that really like blew my hair back, that's all. Well, like Dunk City was a thing. Like it, it was a thing that Oral Roberts just isn't. And let's be honest, I mean, and we're just being honest, uh, Amanda Infill was a big part of that. There was many factors that tied into, like, I think that might have been Dunk City's first appearance as well. Just everything with it. Like, they looked like a three seed with a 15 next to the name doing what they did also on the way to it. So, yes, there were many factors that led to them capturing the nation's heart. The way that Oral Roberts just hasn't quite, again, I'm not downplaying what's been done here. It's just not as stunning. And I think part of it's because of the circumstances around the tournament as well, plus the opponent they beat uh, to get there. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Like, Florida is. Like, listen, Mike is getting in the NCAA tournament nearly every year. You know, he's winning games in it. You know, I, I'm not here to nitpick Michael White. Don't forget, he just lost his uh, best player midseason in, in in a scary, scary incident and still was able to march this thing into the round of 32 of the NCAA tournament. But to your point, Florida was just a whatever team. Like, 43rd in offensive efficiency, 45th in defensive efficiency. Like, I mean, if you go through all of the numbers, they're just – they're just good at a lot of stuff, great at absolutely nothing. There's nothing special about that team. And, you know, they lost to Mississippi State in this season. They lost to South Carolina in this season. On on CBS Sports Network early in the day, before that game was getting ready to go, you know, we're, you know, we're on the air for four hours. So there's a lot of talking going on. And, you know, I was asked, so do you give Oral Roberts a, a shot against, uh, 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 against you know, Florida? And I'm like, well, here's here's the wild thing about being a 15 seed that wins your first game. Your next game's easier. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, if you win the first one, the next one's easier. And I said, I'll, like, I'll keep it as simple as I can keep it. If you can beat Ohio State on a Friday, you can beat Florida on a Sunday. Now, do I expect them to do it? No, probably not. Florida's still like a nine-point favorite. But if you can beat Ohio State on a Friday, you can beat Florida on a Sunday, and that is exactly what they did. They beat Ohio State by three in overtime on a Friday, and then they beat Florida by three on a Sunday, and they are a 15 seed in the Sweet 16, just the second one ever. It's a, it's an awesome story, but I do agree with you. Um, and it's it you know and I like I didn't know Andy Enfield at all back then. Like, I've known Paul Mills for forever. Like, I couldn't be thrilled for him on a personal level, more thrilled for him on a personal level. Um, but it, I'm with you. That said, I'm with you. I, I don't think this resonates quite like Dunk City because, again, Dunk City was a thing, and everybody was a go- was Googling Andy Enfield's wife nonstop. All right, and the last one, uh, double-digit-wise, was Oregon State winning, but I just want to focus real quick on, on Oklahoma State because we're going to have plenty of time to talk about the Beavers leading into next week when I will be on the ground in Indianapolis. Um they they had a lot of opportunities to win this game and the, and they failed. I mean, there was a there was a moment where Cunningham got a steal, hits a three, cuts it to three, and I don't know what OSU was doing. They they gave away 
I want to say a minimum of 10 possessions in the final 12 minutes of the game. And uh, some of them, Cunningham never even touched the ball. And to be fair, like Cunningham did get a few shots down the stretch when he needed to, and those didn't fall either. So... I don't know. They just were out of sorts. Like, and credit to Oregon State for for leading to that. They also Oregon State shot like ninety two percent from the line. I don't have the box score, but it was like ninety two percent from the line on thirty four foul shots. And the and the whistle was annoying. Uh, again, Oregon State deserves to win. Beaver Fever, lay off us, okay? Your team deserved to win this game, and they played a wonderful game. But I thought aesthetically, it was just a tight whistle. The rims were tight, or both teams had shots that you thought were going to fall from close range and far that they didn't. And so big picture, Oklahoma State has a really quality season with the potential number one pick, who I thought did not show as much number one number one pick stuff in this game as we needed him to, and that was part of why they lost. Not the only reason. I mean, he, in general, Kate had a relatively good game, GP. Uh, but all that stuff uh, led to, you know, weirdly enough, the two teams that had the most quad one wins – they bookended the day with losses. Illinois had more than anyone in the country. Oklahoma State had the second most. Illinois started the day with the loss, and Oklahoma State wrapped it with a loss. Yeah. Uh, like you, I'm happy for Wayne Tinkle. Like, Wayne came into this season with some real job pressure, and he was his team was picked to finish dead last in the Pac-12, and had they done that, that might have been that. And instead, they finished, you know, uh, the middle of the pack, uh, more or less, and and then got the auto bid, and now they're, they're marching in – into the sweet 16 like that's that's a career saver i mean literally a career saver in in some ways you, you go from maybe thinking you're you, you you're done at oregon state if this season doesn't go well to you know brett justice his agent i'm assuming he'll have a contract extension done in, by the end of the month so that's awesome stuff but if you can take that set it aside this is awful for the ncaa tournament like you, you to lose kate cunningham at the expense of oregon state and and you know, given what we're already missing from from this bracket, it's it's not great. I mean, like we've got a Sweet 16 game between Loyola Chicago and, and Oregon State. Like that that like Loyola Chicago, I think is a real thing now. People are like excited about them, but Loyola Chicago against Kate Cunningham, that's a different that's a different game it, from in terms of drawing people to it than than Loyola Chicago, Oregon State. How about this though? Either way, we are now guaranteed to either have the team that was picked dead last in the Pac-12 preseason or an NBC school in the Elite Eight. Guaranteed. No way around it. This tournament, GP. This tournament. Um, thoughts and on Syracuse? And, and then, like, Syracuse is, to me, this is, you know, Oregon State is a power conference school, but, like, not supposed to be going to a Sweet 16, maybe ever. And, and um. You know, Oral Roberts, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. But but I, st- I think Syracuse is the coolest story out of the whole deal. I mean, you've already laid it out. This is the, you know, Jim Beheim had never been a double-digit seed until 2016, never in his career. And then finished tied for ninth in the ACC, got a 10 seed, made the Final Four. 2018, finished tied for 10th in the ACC, got an 11 seed, made the Sweet 16. Now 2021, finished eighth in the ACC, got an 11 seed, made the Sweet 16 with his son as his best player. He's 9-2, and two, by the way, as a double-digit seed in the NCAA tournament. Jim Beheim is now. Put put that on his, uh, on his Wikipedia page. So, like, and then Buddy Beheim's the star? I mean, to me, I, like, I can't get enough of that. Like, it's, it, like, imagine it's 1984, all right? Go back to 1984, Deadleg, and Jim Beheim, he turns 40 in November of that year. 
He's about to start his ninth season at Syracuse. He's coming off of his fourth Sweet 16. Imagine you could talk to him from the future and you say, okay, Jim, here's the deal. It's going to be 2021. You'll be 76 years old, still coaching Syracuse. 76. And you know the guy who just got hired at Akron? Bob Huggins? Um, He'll have... 900 wins. He'll now be the coach at West Virginia. You'll be facing him in the round of 32 of the NCAA tournament, and your best player will be your son, Buddy Beheim. Like, what? Like, how many questions does Jim Beheim have? Hold on. I'm, I'll be coaching when I'm 76 in the year 2021, and my best player will be my son, which means I had a son at the age of 55, and I'm going to coach it when I'm 76? <laughs> what? None of it makes sense. Jim, there's also going to be this thing called the internet. You're going to absolutely hate it, and you're going to dismiss everyone that's ever written anything on it. Okay. And then he'll, then he'll he'll be like, I don't believe any of this. How tall are you? 5'7"? Get out of my face. I got to go coach my team. I got to go lose to Bob Knight in the final four three years from now. I don't even care about Jim Beheim being so dismissive anymore. Like, I'm just sort of, I sort of chuckle. I sort of laugh along with it. Like, whatever. Yeah, whatever. He's, he's just typical. Listen. Yeah, whatever. It's just this. My man had a had a baby when he's I had a baby when I was 40 and I feel like I'm a million. My man had a baby when he's 55 and just kept coaching. <laughs> and now he's coaching that baby. Those at things the age are of 76. Connected, yeah, those things are are connected. Um no, Syracuse story is just it's just wild. And now that's a that's we'll get to previewing later in the week. But like that, imagine that if I had a baby when I'm 55 and he's on the he's on CBS Sports HQ with me. Think about how wild that would be. When I'm 76, I'm on eight. I'm no on, shot. I'm on there is no shot you're allowing yourself to be on HQ by 66, let alone 76. I'm going to be doing picks on CBS Sports HQ when I'm 76 years old with my son. <laughs> oh, shot. oh, man. Good for Q's. That'll be an interesting matchup against Houston. Hey, by the way, we have to all, like, we have to get this in Slack, make sure we do it. Oregon State, Loyola, Chicago. We have to all pick Loyola, Chicago. Two win and two cover. Every one of us. <laughs> I want Beaver Fever to lose his mind. <laughs> You've got fever for Beaver Fever? I got you. We got to get Beaver Fever to lose his mind. <sighs> the most popular pick to win the national title besides Gonzaga was Illinois. Oops. We're going to get into that next. But first, let me make sure you know how crucial it is that you go download the CBS Sports app. These NCAA tournament games are on multiple channels. It can get confusing, but it doesn't have to be. If you got the CBS Sports app, you can get it on your connected TV or phone. And when you do, you'll see every tournament game available to watch, whether it's on CBS or March Madness Live. The app is a gateway to all of the action. So go download the CBS Sports app now to make sure you never miss a minute of the NCAA tournament. Norlander, how are you feeling about picking Illinois to win the national title? I'm done. I'm done. I, I don't know if I've ever picked a national champion that lost in the first weekend. Like when the year Kansas got knocked out by Northern Iowa, I did not have Kansas that year. I don't know if this has ever happened before. And it was a domination. It was a clinic. It was, you know, and this speaks to like how I just want, I want the cool story. Like I don't care that I lost my national championship pick. It was awesome to watch Loyola do that. They freaking tore them Apart, dude. Crutwig has one of the better games he's had this season considering the opponent. 19 points, 12 boards, five dimes, four steals, including him just pawing one out of Io DeSumo's hands <laughs> at a critical moment late into the second half. 
just you know, he just took the ball from him. Took it from him, and he he, he had a wonderful like alley oop tap. I, I'll, Dude, I'll be the brief. Little I'll, bounce I'll, passes I'll, the little like there's this drill we used to do when I was like eight year old soccer where the coach would stand like you know top of the penalty box and you'd pass it to him and then run and then he'd you know tap it back out to you and then you'd shoot it right like basic stuff. That's like that's what Crutwig's doing, just standing at the free throw line catching the ball and then bounce passing to cutters. It's it's they are they are awesome to watch. They 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 are and to state the obvious, but we I kind of feel like we need to state the obvious here because of where they've landed in in multiple predictive metrics and what we've seen happen in this particular region. Yeah, of course this team can get back to the final four. Like it takes this kind of win for people to start really acknowledging it. And no, no one predicted that that would happen. But uh, we have mentioned here on the podcast previously this month, and when I did the feature on Crutwig back in early February, I guess it was, when they said, well, this is this team is better than the Final Four team. And it is objectively better from a roster-building standpoint, from a number standpoint, from everything there. It, they are they are awesome. Lucas Williamson had himself a nice game. Marquise Kennedy came off the bench and was terrific. And Ayu DeSumo picked a terrible time to have one of the worst games of his season overall. Kofi Coburn did well. Adam Miller, the freshman, he was decent overall. Corbello had a bad game. Um, I'll, I'll kind of cede the floor to you once more if you want about uh, about you know the situation the committee put Illinois and Loyola in. But just from purely from the game perspective, it was an ass kicking. They Loyola led the entire time, and it proved that it was it it could play basically with anyone in the country. And the way that it just completely took Illinois out of its game, and and by the way, Underwood didn't. He had to keep Coburn in, I guess, because he was having a good game. But he didn't go small until late, and it was too late by the time that happened there. So hats off to Porter Moser and that staff and that team. We've got a 101 year old the sister. By the way, the sister Jean stuff. Like we don't talk about it too much on the on the pod because uh, I guess we just don't drift into that kind of stuff. But. That's going to be one of the two or three biggest like stories in sports on a national level. Like that's going to be on the nightly newscast tomorrow and throughout the week. Like it's a, it's amazing the sport sometimes perish. This she's 101. She's back at this event and they're going to the Sweet 16 through divine intervention and the God-given coaching gifts of Porter Mosier and the undeniable mojo of Cameron Crutwig and that Midwestern stash. Amazing stuff. I, I uh. I reminded you on the last podcast that any opportunity I can take to say I told you so, I I I I jump on it. I, I can't help myself. I know it doesn't always come across well, but I can't help myself. So, needless to say, when Loyola Chicago is just pounding Illinois early, I remind people on Twitter, like the, 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 you know, this is where the committee messed up. We, we you know we talked about it as soon as the. Bre- the bracket was published. Like Loyola Chicago being an eight seed is is not only unfair to Loyola Chicago and its first round opponent Georgia Tech, but also to Illinois. And uh, you know it got retreated and liked, and I, I was done with it. And then and then our buddy Seth Davis. What's this? What the hell is this? Seth tweets. I didn't hear a single person complain about Loyola Loyola Chicago's seed until today. And I'm like Seth Davis. We we are sometimes recording this podcast, and you will be text messaging us about this podcast. <laughs> yes, that's right. Like that actually happened. He actually Fairly has a often. habit of, by the way, sending that when I'm like I'm at the grocery store. I'm like out on a run, so I'm just like not able to text back. It's amazing. Like whenever he's listening, I'm not around my phone, but he does. He checks in, and then he drops that. Are you kidding me, Seth? So like I I just assumed. 
like said, like if we were trying to do ten most most loyal listeners in the world, like Seth Davis might be on that list. Like he's constantly group texting us about the podcast, and then he tweets. I didn't hear anybody complain about Loyola Chicago C before today, and I'm like, when did you stop listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast? Because I've been doing it. I've been doing it all week, and I did it as initially on the Sunday night podcast right after the bracket was revealed. And I was so fired up. I got Debo <laughs> to go get the audio for me. I was like, you gotta, oh I was like, listen, you gotta, I, I know you're busy. I'm busy too, but you gotta get this for me. I, I gotta, I gotta let the people know. So I, I tweeted it. You can find it. But essentially what I said last week, you asked me, you said, well, you, you, you identified some possible seating problems. And you said, what do you think about Loyola Chicago getting an eight seed? And I said, it's disrespectful and it's wrong. And I laid out exactly what happened. I said, when you do this, and it's not something I just made up last Sunday night. I've been saying it for years. When you, when you underseed a team because they don't have enough quad one wins for you, because only because they didn't play enough of those games, because they don't have the same opportunities as a Big Ten team or a Big 12 team. Like when you ignore the metrics, especially the predictive metrics, and you see a top 10 Ken Palm team, and you put them on the eight line, you're screwing them. But you're also screwing, in this case, Georgia Tech, ACC tournament champions. And yes, I actually said, and you're screwing Illinois. Because Illinois just ran through the Big Ten, won the Big Ten tournament, and now Illinois probably is going to have to play a top 10 Ken Palm team that's got the best defensive efficiency ranking in the country in the second round. And that is that 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 is not where they should be playing a team of that caliber. Now, to be fair... Um, I thought Loyola Chicago should have been a four seed. And if you'd have been a four seed in the same region, you'd have played them in the Sweet 16, and and, and that might have been it. But, like, you'd have been in the Sweet 16. Illinois should not have been playing this team in the round of 32. You know, we could stop talking about it just as soon as this is over, but it was a, a, a glaring era mistake, and it played out on national television on America's Most Watched Network earlier on Sunday. The only thing I would say going forward is that the, while the selection committee, I doubt, would ever have any sort of official rule on this, you know, have just an unwritten rule or an understanding that if you, fi- if, you wind your- if you find yourself in another position where you've got an uncommon team that finds itself basically along the lines of a three-seed or a four-seed, call it like top 12-ish or so in predictive metrics, and there's, you know, more than one that's suggesting this the way it was with Loyola, you know, you don't need to, uh, you know, strictly abide by this, but... Don't put it in the eight nine game, and that, you know, that's put, where put it at. on the seven line. Maybe yes. you know. Uh, I thought Loyola would have been most fairly seated on the six line, to be honest. But just don't put it in the eight nine game. Uh, see, see what happened here, and going forward, no matter what the because I there was a little actually I got a few texts from people that was like, show me on where where on Loyola's resume it was deserving of anything better than the eight nine game, and I said, I I hear what you're saying, but there are objective, predictive metrics that suggested that this was one of the better teams in America. So the committee should actually have the fortitude to trust that what their eyes are telling them and what the resume alone is telling them, it might not be enough because otherwise you just, you get situations like this. I'm not saying it had to be on the five line, but I am saying at least have them play a two as opposed to a one and maybe just massage it a little bit. Have this, have this latest result be your guidepost. You and I are on the same page here. I thought there should have been a four. But I, understand, I knew when I said they should be a four in advance of the selection show that they were not going to be a four. Like, I knew that. I, I'm not, I understand 
how the selection committee does things. I, I wanted that on the record, though, so that I could, you know, I told you so. You know how it works. Um, but they don't have to be a four. They don't have to be a five. Keep them out of the 8-9 game. If you end up punishing a two seed, we can always look at that two seed and say, hey, you could have done more. You know, you could have been a one seed and you wouldn't have to worry with this. But when you put them in that 8-9 game, a team like this, you are punishing a one seed in a way that seems undeniably unfair. And it, it becomes a big topic of conversation among people like us when something like this happens, if you put them in a, if you made them a seven and they played a two and they knocked out, you know, Houston in the round of 32, it wouldn't be nearly the story as it is when they eliminate a number one seed and they don't just eliminate and a number one seed. We don't lose it just because like it lost. What are you going to do? I think most intelligent people can agree. We lost a number one seed today earlier than we should have because it was paired with a round of 32 opponent that it had no business playing. To give you an idea of, of what you know the networks think of Loyola Chicago, it is the lead Sweet 16 game on Saturday on CBS at 240 when they will play Oregon State. My last thought on this with Illinois. Wonderful season. Uh, I would assume it was obviously going to be gone. Kofi Coburn's an interesting one because you know, his game is not going to lend himself to being a first round draft pick. If he, if he were to return and I don't know if he will ever want, honestly, uh, Illinois should be pretty good again next season. If all these pieces come back, I know this has to be devastating because you've had your first truly relevant team in 16 years. And while you had a great season, one big 10 tournament championship, you were one seed and all that uh, to not even get to experience two victories. I know is, is definitely a bitter pill to swallow, but I don't feel like this is going to be a situation where we're talking a year from now. And we're like, yeah, Illinois, man, 12 seed barely got in or it didn't get in at all. Like it feels like this team should be back in the tournament next season as a single digit seed. And who knows, maybe the ball bounces your way. You get opponents that you have good matchups with and the team that's not as good next season, it gets farther in the tournament than the one that did this year. And oh, by the way, like not only can they get to the final four, that's that's easy. I, I I would have told you that before the tournament even started. Loyal Chicago can get to the final four. Now it's like they really might. I mean, who scares you out of the remaining teams? It's Oregon State, Syracuse, and Houston. I mean, it has opened up for them. Yeah. The one seed, the three seed, the four seed, the five seed, the six seed, and the seven seed in the Midwest region are all gone. I mean, Loyola Chicago will be favored over Oregon State, and if it plays Syracuse in the Elite Eight, it'll be favored again. And if it plays Houston, it's it's a one-point spread either direction. You're right. Like, this is very real. Like, I know. Porter Moser might be about to take Loyola Chicago to the Final Four for the second time in a three-year span. Like, Brad Stevens is a legend because he did it uh-huh. two times in two years at Butler, and Porter's on the verge of maybe doing something really, really close, which must be difficult for – Loyola Chicago fans on some level, I understand they're enjoying it and they should. This is awesome. But you have to also know deep down, every game he wins makes it less likely he's coming back. That is correct. You are not, uh, you're not wrong about that. There were four other games that happened Sunday that we haven't touched on yet. We're going to get to those next. But first, check this out. 
Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So before we get out of here, let me run you through the other results from Sunday. Then you can take it, Norlander, wherever you want. Top seed of Baylor beat Wisconsin by double digits. The Bears are in the Sweet 16 for the fifth time under Scott Drew. Houston beat Rutgers 63-60. Kelvin Sampson in the Sweet 16 for the second straight NCAA tournament. Villanova beat North Texas 84-61. It's over for my little homie from Memphis, Javion Hamlin. And Arkansas beat Texas Tech 68-66. The Razorbacks are in the Sweet 16 for the first time since 1996. Deadly, did you realize that the Hawks had not advanced this far before today since 1996? Trivia time. Okay. How many teams have been to the Sweet 16 since the last time Arkansas got there? 99, including six Zero. From the, the answer is zero because oh. they're there. It goes back to zero. You can't trick question me at I this point. You. You, you can't get me with trick questions at 1.30 a.m. Actually, you were like you were you thought I you thought I you thought I was throwing you, you know, ninety-three down the middle of the plate and I and you and that thing came out of my hand and it was a knuckleball. That's right. I thought you were, thought you were putting it on a tee for me. Look at that. Look at that. Um Villanova, real quick, it just that's one of those classics. Second round, you play a team that uh, got a double-digit seed mid-major upset, and then you just say goodbye with you. Villanova went 15 of 30 from three-point range. I haven't had time to check everything, Parrish. I want to know how many t- That might be a record. I don't. Like, has any team ever attempted at least 30 three-pointers in a tournament game and made at least 50% of them? Maybe it's been done. I don't know, but that's absurd. Poor Prediction. North Texas. Prediction. Yes. Alabama will do it in this NCAA tournament. Make more than 50% on more than 30 attempts? Okay. We shall see. Yeah, they're going to go 17 of 34. Okay. It'd be an amazing call if you're right on that. Um, Nova moves along. Jeremiah Robinson Earl has been... uh, What'd you tweet about that, Beaver Fever? (laughs) Okay. Not even in this region anymore. I'm sorry. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl has been right there with like the likes of Buddy Beheim. Like... through two games, who've been, who've been the best players in the in the tournament. Robinson Earl was awesome. Nova will move on to play Baylor, and uh, these two teams were top two in the two of the top three in the preseason. They were supposed to play at Mohegan Sun and Bubbleville. Then Baylor had the COVID issue. They were basically kicked out of the event, and now all these months later, they're going to wind up playing each other. So that's uh, that's kind of cool. Nova isn't as good as we thought it was going to be, and it doesn't have Colin Gillespie. But credit to Villanova. Got a couple of wins and uh, certainly dispatched Javion Hamill at North Texas uh, easily. I don't have too much on Baylor GP. They did. What they, they look need. great. They were they they were like they looked great. I mean, 
you know, once they, we'll talk about them once they start getting either, you know, really deep in the bracket or they start getting challenged. But Wisconsin put up a decent fight, but Baylor just looked terrific again. I mean, what do you, what do you want from me? They, they, Brad Davidson had one of the best games of his life. And then I had to go on HQ and I said, I promise you, Brad Davidson's not scoring more than 20 points in this game. He had eight. He and Demetri Trice combined for 50 points in the win against North Carolina. They had 20 against Baylor. Those guards are legit, and Matthew Meyer had one of the better games of uh, of his career. So those are my initial thoughts on that. You got any thoughts, or you want me to keep cooking here? Well, well, Meyer was 17.6 rebounds off the bench, and it, Wisconsin only averages like nine turnovers a game. They're one of the best at taking care of the ball in the entire country. They had 14 turnovers. You're not going to do that against a one-seed and win, especially when Baylor – 8 of 17 from 3, 47%. That's the best three-point shooting team in America, shooting nearly 50% from beyond the arc. Um, th- those are a lot of numbers that were going to be hard for Wisconsin to overcome. No doubt. Uh, as for Arkansas beating Texas Tech, uh, a terrific second-round game that people were hoping would be that, and it was that. Um, Texas Tech, you know, it missed some opportunities. It had, I think, two layups uh, in its final three possessions, I think it was, where game can go the other way, but it doesn't. They didn't fall there, and Musk gets them to the Sweet 16. That's really, uh, that's really, really cool. I got to admit, I was looking at my bracket uh, this morning. I was like, man, just to even see a three next to Arkansas, like it does genuinely bring me back to when I really started to love the sport. You had a good tweet with uh, with kind of the history behind Arkansas in the early 90s and then, then the drought and all that stuff, and I'm like, yeah, man, it's just been so long since you like looked at a bracket, look at your picks, and, and Arkansas had a high number next to it. Um, uh, or a low number, depending on how you want to view that. And, you know, good on Musk for... And he, the thing is, man, like just a quick thought on this. And I think I'm going to wind up talking about this on HQ. I'm going to be on Monday for like two hours before these games get going. So I know this is going to be one of those segments. And part of me is not surprised, Parrish. And part of me is, like, this is exactly why Arkansas got Musk to this job. Like, we want, we think that you have the ability in a short amount of time to turn our program around and bring us to a, a restoration of glory. It's his second season, and he's done it. Like, top 15-level team. They were good last year, but not great. But a 21 team, and they wouldn't have been in the tournament, but a good first season. Now, 24-6, and six, a three seed, and you knock off Chris Beard, who still has a sparkling NCAA tournament record. And you had a little bit of trouble early with Colgate, but you made some great in-game adjustments. So, uh, credit to the Hogs. It's going to be great to be able to see them play in a Sweet 16 next uh, next week. And for Texas Tech, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough loss, but Arkansas is the better team. And, oh, by the way, the... Uh, uh, the Arkansas Oral Roberts uh, game is a rematch. These teams played against each other in December. Oral Roberts actually had a 10-point lead at halftime. They both can go. I don't know what the over-under is going to be in that, but that could definitely be a you know first to 85 or 90 wins kind of game. Yeah, the history on Arkansas, which we've talked about before, but just to, to, to you know put it specifics on it for anybody who hasn't heard, from 1990 to 96, that's seven seasons, uh, Arkansas went to six Sweet 16s, Four lead eights, three final fours, played in two title games, won one national championship. And then from 1997 to 2020, they didn't make the Sweet 16 at all. And then in 2021, they're in the Sweet 16. Eric Musselman has ended th- that drought. And then he ended Tom Todd Furman. <laughs> My God. <laughs> so apparently Todd Furman, who is our colleague... Yep. was on CBS Sports HQ pregame, and you know, he was making a pick, and he picked Texas Tech over Arkansas, and the main reason was because he he said it, it was a coaching mismatch between Chris Beard and Eric Musselman. So postgame, Mus 
is I don't even know if he was asked about it. I think it's just something he wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. He said, um, well, I was alerted to somebody from CBS, you know, before the game said that we, you know, had a, 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 a big time coaching disadvantage. So I'm surprised we were able to win a, a, a close game. Uh, but that comment came from someone I've never even heard of. And so his, his opinion <laughs> doesn't matter at all. And I, I texted Mus after I saw the clip, I texted, I was like, Hey, just no, it, it, it wasn't me. I said, I sent him, I actually sent him the same text. And I was like, I thought you were going to like joke on, on Parrish or something and just play, like playfully. And then, but I was like listening in real time. So I didn't know if he was going to say, I didn't know who the guy was. Also, I thought he was saying this and he was going to be like, and that Gary Parrish doesn't know anything. Like that's why I thought he was going with it. <laughs> Amazing. I was like, I was like, listen, you t- you start throwing around somebody from CBS, that could be a lot of us, right? So I was like, uh, so he just LOL'd me back, and uh, I- I'm happy for him. Like, you know, uh, he did what he did at Nevada. And keep in mind, this is a former NBA head coach who decided to be a college assistant. Yeah. He was an NBA head coach, a college assistant, waiting for an opportunity, gets it at Nevada, kills it, gets the opportunity at Arkansas, is killing it. And this one means like, um, you know, Arkansas basketball is a part of my childhood. I, I grew up in a, in, you know, in a bordering state. You know, uh, some of my best friends are Arkansas graduates. Like they are fired up right now. And, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm glad that they are. It's been too long since Arkansas basketball mattered on a national level. And I am uh, completely unsurprised that Muss is the guy who's getting it done. Last one we haven't talked about uh, is the Houston Rutgers game. We will get to that in a second. But first, it is madness time in the sports world because the NCAA tournament continues to be in full swing. But if you're a diehard sports fan, that means you want to stay in the know with all sports. So reminder, CBS Sports HQ, which, by the way, it's, it's, it's everywhere. I had, a, I had a buddy of mine text me, and I sent it to a couple of our bosses. He walked into a brewery in Connecticut on Sunday, and CBS, he was like, Dude, what are you doing right now? He walked into the bar, and HQ was on, and it was it was me yakking up about one of these games or whatever. I've I've gotten like uh, messages from people that I went to high school with that I haven't seen in forever, being like, "Dude, love this man! You're you're killing the college basketball game." So if you're not already involved in CBS Sports HQ, please hop on. It's on any streaming device. On this uh, for this week alone, there's going to be MLB spring spring training. NBA trade deadline, UFC 260, NFL free agency fallout with draft coverage, golf picks, all sorts of stuff. So, connected TV, any kind of device, 24-7 news network, stream it, CBS Sports HQ, GP&I will continue to be on throughout. All right, last game, Houston beats Rutgers. Rutgers coughed this one up in a major way. Houston outscored them 14-2. to it went 10 of 16 from the free throw line in the second half, and Rutgers did not take a foul shot. And if you're a Rutgers fan, you got to be a two minds on this because Peichel's a great coach. And I understand if you've got like immediate frustration because there were like six or seven possessions parish where it just looked like Rutgers was a team that had not, a program that hadn't been in the tournament for 30 years. And this part of this Houston. Like, Houston will do this to you and will win this way. Rutgers was 90% to win with about, let me look at it here, with about four minutes. Yeah, right before that run happened, 90% to win with about four minutes and 40 seconds to go in the game. And Houston ripped it back. Credit to the Cougars because they can do this to you. Deshaun Giroux has some sort of hip issue. He is not 100%. He gutted it out. Marcus Sasser was terrible, but he gets the game-clinching steal the Cougars are my pick to come out of this region and make the final four now, given where, where it is. Uh, I won't be surprised if it's Syracuse 
or Loyola. I will be surprised if it is Oregon State. Beaver fever. Hey, listen, don't need this from you right now. Just trying to be honest right now. But Houston, huge. Rutgers, I know it's painful, but as I tweeted, you got that guy coaching your program. Your days of having these long tournament routes are over. I don't know if they'll get there next year, but I'm telling you, you're not going to wait another three or four years till you get back. Pykel's too good. You'll have another chance. That's a heartbreaking loss. Imagine telling Rutgers fans, you know, eight years ago, one day you'll be, you know, in a one-possession game, final minute, opportunity to go to the Sweet 16. And and it won't even be a surprise if you get there. Like that, that yes. Steve has done an amazing job, amazing job at Rutgers. And I, I, listen, a whole lot of people could win at Kentucky. A whole lot of people could win at Kansas. A whole lot of people could win at North Carolina. And I'm not trying to uh, dis, be uh, dismissive or even discount what what Roy or or – uh, Bill or and John have done like my larger point is that there are some jobs that if you're competent you're going to win and then if you're special you'll win big like Roy John and, and Bill have done but like if you're just competent you'll win there Rutgers is the exact opposite I, I, I don't think I don't think 95% of college basketball coaches could win at Rutgers I, I think you've got to be you got to be special or you got to be perfect for the job and I think Steve is perfect for that job and might be special as well. Uh, just to have him in this spot, given the the, the history of that program and that, that it plays in the Big Ten is is pretty remarkable. And so, you know, yeah, you know, they had a 10-point – they had a double-digit lead in a round of 32 game, and they, they squandered it. But, like, they squandered it in the most predictable way. Like, Houston grabbed 16 offensive rebounds. Offensive rebounding percentage was 43.2. I mean, like, that's what they do. Like Houston beat Houston wins every one of its games the exact same way. They they guard you and they offensive rebound. They guard you and they offensive rebound. It's always the same stuff with them. So, yeah, I, I think obviously if you're trying to rank Final Four teams out of this region, you you can we can debate Houston and loyal to Chicago, and I think it's a real debate. I, I, you know, I'll be surprised if we're not watching those two play in the Elite Eight. Um, you know, I wouldn't rule anything out with Syracuse and Buddy Beheim right now. Mm-hmm. The only one that would surprise me, I'm with you, and my apologies to Beaver Fever, but Oregon State getting getting further than it is right now, I think would be a little a little surprising. But guess what? We were all wrong about Oregon State in the round of 32. Perhaps we'll we'll all be wrong again. Um, all right, let's put a bow on this, baby. Uh, heads up for everyone listening. Uh, we, by the way, we appreciate uh, the podcast engagement from the audience has been terrific. Uh, continue to to leave reviews and and five stars and nice comments, all that good stuff. It's highly appreciated. You have given us our most successful month in the history of this podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It's genuine thanks to everyone. Uh, we are up late doing this kind of stuff, but the numbers show that you. Are like people are downloading this in the middle of the night and listening. I know some of you guys are West Coasters, and it's all appreciated, all the same. So, to set you up really quick for the final part of the first weekend after the weekend, Monday day tournament stuff. I'm kind of geeked for this. Now, I prefer it the way it normally is, and I hope we go back to it with Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But is this going to be the first time we've had like a non title game tournament schedule on a Monday? I would think probably so. Here's what you got to look for. Oregon, Iowa. Oregon, the only team in the field yet to play a game. Pac-12, yet to lose a game. That is your first tip at 12-10 on CBS. After that, it's going to be the same template as it was on Sunday. Uh, People tweet at me and ask me why the TV schedule is the way it is. I am not a TV executive. These people are very smart at what they do, and there's very specific reasons behind it. I don't have those reasons, but whatever it is, 
There's a reason behind it, and that's why they do it. So Oregon Iowa will be your, your first game. Oklahoma Gonzaga is your game at 2:40, also on CBS. And then you're going to have a bunch of le- uh, overlap. Abilene Christian UCLA guaranteed to have another double-digit seed into the Sweet 16, which will guarantee that we will at minimum tie the record. The record is 1999. Five double-digit seeds make the Sweet 16 and 99. We're going to have at least five this year because we already got four and one of Abilene Christian or UCLA. That's a 5-15 tip. Then you've got another double-digit seed, Ohio versus Creighton. That's a 6-10 tip. Creighton kind of feels like live bait there. We'll see. 7-10 is my upset special, LSU over Michigan. That's a CBS game. 7-45. Super compelling, 4-5, Florida State versus Colorado. To me, Florida State feels like the trendiest four seed to go to the Elite Eight I've seen in years, by the way. We'll wait and see if they win and talk about them tomorrow night. And then the final two, you got Maryland-Alabama. That's on TNT at 845. And the last tip is the favored USC Trojans on the sixth line going against Kansas on the three. That also will be a CBS game. That is your schedule. Uh, Let's wrap it with what I asked you last night. What game of all of those are you looking forward to most? I think LSU-Michigan, because I think it's a, it's a spot where a one seed could get caught. I mean, when we did this yesterday, we, we said, which of these teams, do, you know, do you, which, which, where's the upset? Now, none of us said Oral Roberts, but like we all said, when I say we all, it was just me and you. Um, like we said Syracuse. We could see Syracuse getting, getting past West Virginia. And I could, in, if you're trying to pick an upset here, I mean, one of uh, that's significant. I don't think picking Kansas over USC is really an upset. Uh, I could see, I could easily see LSU beating an Isaiah Livers less Michigan team. More likely, Oregon beats Iowa or Abilene Christian beats UCLA. Abilene Christian beats UCLA. You're gonna really do that to Mick Cronin right now? No, I don't. I don't. I think UCLA's winning a game. Mick's still the coach. I'm not. But con- like, I'm not convinced I, it is. I, th- I think UCLA is going to win the game, but you ask me, could I? In- what's more likely? I don't think Iowa's going to lose to Oregon. I-, I could see Abilene Christian upsetting UCLA. UCLA is still just piecing this thing together, man. They are. I, I-, I cl- my last thought on HQ on on Sunday night was I was really excited for the Sunday slate. This Monday second round slate's fantastic. I think my, I think the game that's destined to be the closest is Colorado Florida State. But all of these, with the exception of maybe Alabama-Maryland, which I think could get out of hand, and Gonzaga-Oklahoma, the other six, I can see Oregon beating Iowa. I can see Abilene winning over UCLA. I can see Ohio beat Creighton. I can see LSU beating Michigan. Florida Florida State-Colorado, whatever. It just should be a good game. And USC is actually favored at the lower-seeded team against Kansas there. Jalen Wilson, by the way, for Kansas. Bill Self said he is expecting to play in this game. He didn't give him a – like, he might play five minutes. He might play 15 minutes. But that could certainly help the Jayhawks. This is a loaded Monday. I'm excited to get to it and uh, finally figure out what 16 we're going to have. But, yeah, I'm picking LSU to beat Michigan, and I'm ready to eat plenty of crow if and when I'm wrong. Michigan, everyone is fading Michigan so hard that I feel like I'm destined to be wrong there. Shouts to Davin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to Ion College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. It's the worst one. It's the worst one. I never seen one like this. I'm so... Oh, variants. It's too much. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. And either way, we will talk to you again after Monday's games are complete. Till then, take care. Dallas 
streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.